0: Coming up on this week's edition of the Smitty and Mitty Show. While the All-Star break is over and at the halfway point of the season, we'll break down how the Blue Jays are doing with our guest, Dylan Baker. Coming up next. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stunt your 90%
1: of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone
2: saying...
0: You're so dumb, for real.
2: ...with Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years.
0: What's your name? F*** you, that's my name.
2: This... (laughs) Is the Smitty Mitty Show?
0: We are Smitty and Mitty. I'm Smitty. I'm I'm Mitty. You're Mitty. I'm Mitty. Say, I'm Mitty. I'm Mitty. And this is the. What are we doing? I don't know. I thought we'd do like some cool choreographed intro. You didn't think you'd tell me? No. You didn't think you'd, you'd let me in That's on this? That's the definition of choreographed is when That's we just the throw each other. Of we just throw
1: it right at each other.
0: That is the complete opposite of what
1: choreographed means. Spell Smitty it. Mitty
0: Show, 98 episodes in here, and we still don't have it figured out. So, welcome. Thank you for joining us here across the TSMS Radio Network and on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast for another week. Coming up on the show. It's a lot of baseball. We are going to talk Blue Jays, Blue Jays, and more Blue Jays for basically the entire hour. But before we get into that, a big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Light Curling the Choice of Champions, Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial in Kincardine Life is Brighter Under the Sun. And we are also going to thank our partnership with the Jack Drury Memorial Dirt Bowl coming up in, what is it now, like two or three weeks? The excitement is brewing. Which scares me. You know Why? Why? because my wedding's 2 weeks after that. Yeah, that is scary. Is it
1: 2? No, it's the next it's week. It's the next week. No, yeah. 2 weeks. No, it's the next week. No, yeah, it is. Because that's our league championship and we moved the league championship up a week because so of the, the wedding.
0: wedding. Yes. Crazy. So we're getting there. You're almost getting hitched? Like Brother, that I'm, is getting close. The, I'm getting to the point of no return. I yeah. I have <laughs> well, got to pull the shoot here some, soon. Some would say you're already at the point of no I've return. I've got to pull the shoot. You're already at the point of no return. Uh, Most of the things, well, I guess you're you haven't paid everything yet, so You're not quite at the point of no return. Once you send all the money through for this thing, you're done. My fiance, while I had COVID, was up at my
1: parents' house for the week to try and get away from me so they weren't next to me, basically. And it worked. They didn't catch it, so well done to us. But apparently my dad kept telling her that I was going to get cold feet, and she called me at like 10 o'clock at night to reconfirm that I wasn't going to get cold feet, which I wasn't impressed with because I felt pretty sick at the moment. (laughs) And she woke me up in the middle of the night just to make sure I told her, I have a lot of money invested in this relationship. Yes. I have two pairs of socks on. I'll be fine. <laughs> listen, I can't lose all this money. Um, I, I I love money more than almost anything else. Yes. Almost.
0: Dude, love for you. Love for the daughter. Love for money. Love for pennies. Yes. And baseball. I do love baseball. I do love baseball. I love me some baseball. Uh, do you want to talk some baseball now, or do you want to like give it like five minutes and then get into the baseball? Well, listen... We're going
1: to end up talking to baseball here with Dylan Baker because he's going to join us here in a little bit. We're going to have a round table. It's going to be like 45 minutes of baseball. We're going to keep him for quite a bit. So I want to talk about the British Open. Okay. I want to talk about the Live Tour. Okay. I want to talk about how the two combined. Okay. First of all, Rory McIlroy. I had money on him to win. I had a large payout and he couldn't scratch together more than a 200 round. But Cam Smith had a phenomenal final round good weekend overall but yeah final round was fantastic he gets asked in the pressers if he's going to live tour because it's been rumored his response was basically don't ask me that after i won the typical live tour answer and now the rumors he's gone right
0: so he's gone the rumors earlier in the week and it might be even announced by now we don't know this mini mini show by the time this goes out it'll be announced
1: that there is another group of players that are going to be leaving the PGA for the live tour. And I think the live tour is very smart. They saw, and that they knew that the PGA was going to have this space where all eyes were going to be on them. British open is the biggest golf tournament, maybe besides the masters one that one A and one B. They saw that that was going to be the big news. So immediately after, what do they do? They drop all these names that are leaving. They take the attention away from the PGA again and back to the Live Tour. Because what are we doing right now? We're not talking about the phenomenal round. We're not talking about St. Andrews. We're not talking about the fact that Tiger Woods might have taken his last trip over the bridge. We're not talking about the fact that, I mean, Tiger didn't even make the cut and these players that didn't make the cut. We're talking about the Live Tour and these players leaving. I think they are extremely smart. And... Faraday is also gone. He was announced earlier this week that he's going to be gone, and Charles Barkley is in talks with the Live Tour to go and be with Faraday on a call.
0: What? Do you get more worried now? Is the Live Tour now starting to become more than we thought it would ever be? Like, now it starts to become, depending on what these names are and who these names are that are about to come out, uh, it starts to become a little worrisome, does it not? Right for PGA followers, for golf followers who have known only the PGA and the PGA only for years and years and years. What is going to happen?
1: This obviously makes the PGA weaker, obviously. I am more disgusted than surprised because I thought there was more moral integrity to some of these players that are already very rich and millionaires. To not take the millions from a different tour that is, you know, backed by terrorists. So, I thought maybe people would stay away from that. But it has been proven not true. And a lot of people have jumped ship. This is going to be the interesting thing. I don't see the live tour lasting more than a couple, let's say five years. Just just a random. I don't think it's going to be around forever. Because it's going to be very hard for sponsorships to come on. It's going to be very hard for a TV deal. Where do you find it right now? YouTube. It's going to be very hard for TNT, CBS, NBC to take it on to say, look, we are now the official partners with the live tour because of what's going to be the, the, the general perception of that. So I think it's going to die eventually. The
0: problem is what are the players going to do if it dies, when it dies? What does the PGA do when all those players become available? Like you said, let's say it's five years and the live tour is no longer. Does the PGA start welcoming people back? Right? Or are you just going to leave all these? Because now you've put yourself in a situation where, if the PGA in this theoretical situation where the Live Tour is done in five years, if they don't let them back, where do they go? Now they just start another tour. Uh, it doesn't matter. They made two hundred million, some. Some made something.
1: I think Cam Smith was rumored to be in the million range. Just I, I like, like not even not even a, a huge paycheck, really. I mean, it probably went up after winning the British Open, but I, that here's. My biggest question is where is it going to go from here? Can they sustain that? Yes. There's one big paycheck that these players are getting with appearance fees, but they're also laughing on, on like, that's not real golf. You're going to lose that, that older generation that doesn't see that as actual golf. And, and don't come at me with, Oh, you take the money too. I honestly don't know if I'd take the money. It's also different. I'm not a millionaire.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: a million dollars. You're also not close to having the chance to take the money. A million dollars or even $800,000 makes a big difference in my life. It, doesn't make that big of a difference to Phil Mickelson, right? So they're really two can be completely different things. But I still don't even know if I'd take the money. So just don't come at me with that. I, I'm just I'm I'm interested to see if there are companies that decide that maybe a dollar amount is worth more than their public image.
0: It'll come, like I believe it will. I have no faith it won't. That's a good. That's a good way to end it good way to end it uh do you want to move on talk baseball let's talk some blue jays 45 ish minutes of baseball talk well it's gonna be more like 40 by the time we throw our commercials i don't think they care they don't they don't coming up on this mini mini show joining us now mr dylan baker a good friend of mine uh with the london majors also uh play by play with the kamoka kings and now he's gonna hop on and join us to talk about the toronto blue jays dylan welcome back to the show good to have you on once again thanks for having me guys always a pleasure to be on I love a good Blue Jays round table. So let's get
1: right into it. Uh, Blue Jays at the All Star break, 50 and 43, sitting in uh, third place in that last wild card spot. Give me a letter grade for the first half, for the first little bit more than half of the season.
2: C plus is probably what I would give them. Maybe a B minus uh, if I'm feeling generous. But uh, to be honest, I mean, they're sitting in the third wild card spot. I believe we've we touched on before the show, and they're sitting in third place in the American League East, that's for sure, 50 and 43, like you mentioned. I mean, This is disappointing for this team because there were World Series aspirations. The expectations were very, very high coming in. And while they're still doing well this season, while they're still sitting in a playoff spot and they're doing all right this year, they've got a winning record. They're seven games over 500 at the All-Star break. It's a little disappointing, quite frankly, because this is not where a lot of fans expected the team to be. The bullpen's been bad. The offense has been streaky as ever. And I mean, it's been a disappointment for a lot of Blue Jays fans. So I'd give them a C plus.
1: No, nope. like, is that, harsh? Is that well, harsh? What would you grade? give him? This is a round table. We got to go
0: round the table. <laughs> I give him a straight B, if not a B plus. Really? I was thinking B plus too. I listen. You're in. You know this. You know coming into this year that the playoffs are extended. There's more playoff spots up for grabs. So there's a better chance of making the playoffs. You don't have to be as good as you had to be in years past to be in the playoffs this year. And I think the Jays, considering the problems that they've had, and uh, we all knew at the start of the year the tougher schedule they had in the first half. I'll take 15 43 at the all star break. I think it's pretty good. My counter that is. And, and I think going into what you have as the back half schedule for the Toronto Blue Jays, you're in a pretty good spot. Like I said, all you got to do is make the playoffs. I don't really care where you but went. But the, the expectations playoffs. weren't the playoffs
2: this year. It was more than that, right? Like it wasn't, we're going to squeak into the expanded playoffs this season because they're bigger and we're going to have a pretty good team. The expectations coming into the year were this team is a World Series contender and one of the favorites to come out of the American League and at least play in the World Series. Right now, I mean, there are quite a few teams that are better than them, having better years. And just based on the expectations, I give them a C+, plus, but you're right that the performance hasn't always been bad.
1: When we, it's tough when we look at expectations, because you look at the Atlanta Braves of last year, right? They were below 500 going into what the last two months of the year, something like that went on a hot streak. As long as you make the playoffs, you can get there. So right now the focus is let's make the playoffs. The Jays had an extremely tough schedule to start the year. They had the longest uh, game streak that you could possibly have under the CBA. I think it's 26 games or something like that. They went through, they lost their four starter. They lost Ryu. Ryu. They went through a stretch in that bullpen where, for one, they were getting taxed a lot because the starters didn't get very deep. But on top of that, they were using guys like Thomas Hatch. They're using guys like Castillo, guys that they really shouldn't be using because of injuries. When Phelps goes down, when Yami Garcia goes, or Jimmy Garcia goes down, who's supposed to be a huge part, a huge setup part of your bullpen. He goes down for a while. That's going to leave a huge huge blow. When David Phelps is down, that's going to leave a blow. And you're left with guys like Simber who, you know, just don't throw that hard. And even Romano, just he went something like – I think, I think in one month, he only had four appearances. So he was obviously hurting too. He wasn't doing the, the normal 100 Romano things that we have seen in the past. So this team has been, you know, hurt a little bit with injuries. They've been hurt with schedule. It is going to look up a little bit. They've gone through their road swings. You know, the, the, uh, the West coast road, road strings, road swings are always the hardest. They're always tough. You're going to go below 500 on those. It's going to happen. So this team has been behind the eight ball. And to be in the place where they are in a division with four teams over 500, I mean, that's, it's not bad. It's really not bad. There's somewhere to go up. There is disappointment to be had, but we do have to look at it from the larger picture, I think, here, and that's why a B-plus for me is where I sit. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think
0: all
2: the points that you made were accurate in terms of injuries, especially with how plagued this team has been and the guys that they've had to use. You mentioned Hatch and Castillo who really shouldn't be in the big leagues at this moment in time. But at the same time, you look for guys to step up and we haven't really seen that. I mean, the offense, you look at Vladdy and you look at Bo, they're having underwhelming seasons especially considering the performances that they both put on last year Uh, Vladdy's in the all-star game once again this season but he's only batting in the 260 270 range he's not the guy that we saw last year Alejandro Kirk is the was the best hitter on this team in the first half and Alejandro Kirk is a great hitter and he's a great catcher but you don't want to be on the team where he's your best hitter especially if you've got guys like
0: Vladdy and Bo who you expect more out of and you haven't gotten that so far but the, that is once again, kind of where I go back to and, and not to do with your grade, but Jays fans in general and media, they look at it. And There's a try, lot of panic. We about try to Shane find fans. the panic and we try to find the negatives here. But when you just said that the Blue Jays best hitter has been Alejandro Kirk, Vlad, Bo, guys like that have been under, underwhelming. And you're still sitting in a playoff spot at and fifteen 43, right? Now you just look at we're going up from here right you hope you don't go down from here and if you go down from here then yeah it's a terrible season but now you look at the back half of this schedule where it hopefully gets a little bit lighter and you're just going up from here right you maybe move up into that two or 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 that first wild card spot you're not going to finish first in the division i think that's out of reach but i mean yeah. you you look forward and and trying to move up a couple spots in the wild card here you're basically just trying to you're focusing on making the playoffs that's
1: that's all you're doing once you're in the playoffs you have i mean they're top three in the rotation. When you look at Gosman, Brios and Manoa, those are going to play against anyone, really any, almost Absolutely. any starting three that, that any team's going to throw at you. So as long as you can get to that point. And the next point I wanted to talk about, we'll move on a little bit here was Vladdy. And you mentioned him there when you're talking about struggling hitters. And I'm, I'm concerned that what happened last year for Vladimir Guerrero jr. Almost. You know, winning every category probably should be the MVP. If you ask me, that kind of tainted a little bit of what the Blue Jays fans see him as. I don't think that's what he is. I think this is more the Vladdy we have. What's he said in that? 20, 21 home runs. He's going to hit in the 270, 280. He might get up to that 300 range. But that's not a bad hitter. That is a very consistent, well-rounded hitter that we're just going to see out of Vladdy, And we're not going to see. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to see that three-headed monster that we saw last year.
0: I
2: agree with that uh, to an extent. I mean, I think that Vladdy coming up through the minor leagues was this guy who always had the 80 hit tool. He was like the best hitter in his generation. He's the best hitter of our generation. He's going to come up and do all these great things. And he put up nearly a 400 average in new Hampshire at double a. And I understand that's double a, that's not the big leagues, but he kind of came up had an underwhelming first couple of years, got into shape and really dominated the 2021 season. You made your case for for him being MVP, and, and there was certainly a case to be made right there because he had a great year in 2021. And if this is the Vladdy that we're going to see down the road, I don't think it's a bad thing. But, I mean, once again, I go back to expectations. Based on what we were told as he came up was that this guy was this generational talent. So I do think it's in there. For Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But it's, it's quite probable based on the results that we've seen in his big league career. I mean, now he's in his fourth major league season, which is crazy to think about because it feels like just yesterday he was called up to the big leagues. But I think you're right. That this is probably more of what we've got from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because this has kind of been the, the, the production that he's put up in three of his four years in the big leagues now. And it, it I think Jays fans are always going to be looking back on that 2021 season and saying, well, Vladdy needs to get back to this point. That is the real Vladdy. He's struggling right now. I don't know if that's true. I, I think I'm in agreement with you a little bit that he's kind of going to be this 280 guy. I think even right now or earlier in the season, he was underperforming that 280, 270 mark uh, in terms of batting average and wasn't quite himself chasing pitches outside of the zone. The one thing that has been bad for Vladdy this year is his chase rate has gone much higher than what it was last season. And even in the back half of 2020, it's gone up and he's chasing pitches outside the zone. He looked a little bit lost to begin the year but I don't I don't think that having the expectation that Vladdy's going to be leading the league in batting average or close to it and having over 40 home runs I don't think that's the guy that we're going to be seeing in the future.
1: Uh, yeah, I think if you were to tell me that Vladdy over his career is going to be, you know, somewhere around that 300 mark cuz he is a very good contact hitter and he does have a good eye. He's just kind of expanded a little bit right now as we speak. But if you tell me he's going to be kind of around that 300-ish mark, he's going to hit you 35 to 40 bombs somewhere in that range he's going to drive you probably a hundred RBI just because of where he is in this really good order. Then I don't think anyone can complain with that. It's not somebody who's going to be a all-star kind of, he's not, he's going to be an all-star. He's not a guy who's going to be an MVP, but he's a guy who's going to put up solid numbers and be a productive hitter. And you can't take that in vain. You have to take that with with a grain of salt that, you know,
0: that is really good. That's not, maybe not his, his ceiling, but that is really good. Well, and so many times we, we think about Vladdy and his offense, right? But how far along has his defense come in the last year, two years? I mean, that is part of his game that I think um, we kind of overlook a little bit. And I think it's, it's really become an important part of his game. If he can be um, a 270, 280 hitter and play good defense at first base, I'll take that any day of the week. For sure, no. Vladdy's really taken
2: huge strides in terms of his defensive ability over the past couple of years. Even last season, I mean, we really saw some plays that we didn't see in the 2020 campaign from Vladdy, and he looked he looked much better over at first base. He looks more comfortable at first base, and there was that one mishap where the ball went through his glove in Seattle, but that's no fault of Vladdy's. It's just the glove wasn't built uh, well enough for for that throw from David Phelps. Um, but Vladdy has looked comfortable. He's looked stellar at first base, and that adds to his game a stat that a lot of people like to go back to in terms of evaluating players is wins above replacement that war metric well defense plays a big part in that so if you're going to use that as your stat your go-to stat on whether a guy is a good player or not being good defensively being a solid contributor on defense is going to bump that up and if Flatty can continue to build on that game over at first base that's a huge asset for the blue jays
0: and we talked about how the blue jays struggled a little bit here uh specifically going into the all-star break but The week leading to the All-Star break, a big change, Mr. Charlie, uh, no longer with the Blue Jays. Dylan, is this a great move, a good move, an average move for the Blue Jays? Uh, I know it was surprising for a lot of people, but is this going to be the move that is going to help the Blue Jays in this back half of the year?
2: I'd like to think that it's a good move. I'm interested to see how John Schneider fares at the helm of the big league ball club. I think one of the things that has really come out in the past week was that the Blue Jays just weren't responding to Charlie's messaging anymore. Um, you need a guy who's going to hold a team accountable and Charlie's ever positive, nice guy uh, mentality was just not doing that for the team at this point. And Mitty, you and I have talked on Twitter a few times about whether Charlie Montoya was a good manager or not. And he's certainly had his fair share of mind boggling moves. I will maintain that Charlie Montoyo was the correct choice to manage this team, at least for 2019, 2020, maybe not last year. It could be that he was part of the reason they didn't make the playoffs with some of the bullpen decisions, but he was great to bring these kids up to help them learn. But as the expectations got higher, guys were underperforming this season and Charlie just wasn't holding them accountable. John Schneider's a guy from all the things that I've read about him in in his time uh, in the minor leagues where he won several championships with this blue Jays core, he held guys to high standards he knew that they could play better. And if they weren't playing up to their standards, he was going to, uh, to get angry to, to kind of make things happen in the clubhouse to ensure that they got back up to the level uh, that they were expected to be at. And I think that if John Schneider can continue that, in the major leagues, that's huge for this team. The one thing that I will say about this move is a lot of people are hoping that John Schneider will bring some big change to the Blue Jays ball club from a strategic perspective. I don't think that's going to be happening because I think a lot of the calls are coming from upstairs, but also John Schneider was influential in how the Blue Jays managed their bullpen in the past and how they manage their defense as well. A lot of people have pointed to the shifts this year. That's John Schneider from what I've heard, from what's been mentioned around this team. When the Blue Jays were were shifting significantly, especially at the beginning of the year, that was a John Schneider recommendation. So I think from a a strategic perspective, the Blue Jays aren't going to change very much. This team that was anymore and as a big part of being a big league manager, especially in major League baseball and this could be said for head coaches uh, around pro sports but in major League baseball where everything is so analytically driven and oftentimes it'll be the guys upstairs that are making the calls, a huge part of your job maybe the main part of your job is keeping the guys in that locker room in order and ensuring that you're still getting the best out of them every single day because the baseball season is a marathon it's a grind and you've got to make sure that everybody's giving their best uh, in every single game. And Charlie Montoya just wasn't able to do that.
1: So there was a lot there. <laughs> Let's, um, uh, and I said this in the last episode and when we talked about Charlie and I, you know, I don't want to beat a man while he's down because it's not, it's not a good thing when someone loses their job. You, you don't wish no. that on anybody. and never wish that on somebody. Unfortunately, he wasn't getting it done and, and the front office made a move. And I think it was the correct move, but I'm not going to sit here and lament the fact that somebody lost their job. That being said, I agree with you that he was the right manager at the time. When these young players are coming up, he was the right guy to help them to not be negative, to be pushing them forward, say, it's okay, let's keep working. But when it became time to win, and I'm including last year in this, when it became time to win, he just isn't the guy who can stand there and, and get mad. He isn't the guy when Oscar gets picked off at first or gets doubled off on a fly ball to the outfield or when Vladdy throws a, a temper tantrum because the, the bench challenges when he didn't think they should that something needs to be done about that. These are still young players and and anyone with kids understand that you need to put your foot down at some point and then remind them who is in charge. And I don't think that ever happened. And I think he was getting run over a little bit in the clubhouse and, and some amazing reporting after the firing has kind of, you know, pointed us in that direction that the clubhouse had turned on him. So it's not that I think that Charlie Montoya is a bad manager. I think he'd be a phenomenal bench boss. I think a team that is young and is coming up with a lot of good stars need somebody like Charlie Montoya to push him forward he's just not a guy who's going to go out and win a world series for you I think when you are contending he's going to have a negative uh, inflection he's going to have a a negative war on your team if you will versus you know helping you one extra win He might give you one extra loss and that can make a difference but as we saw with the Toronto Blue Jays last year Yeah, the Blue Jays
2: came out so close, but so maybe bad bullpen management cost them in the end last year, and I'm glad we agree on on the fact that Charlie was the right guy to manage his team. I think in the future, Charlie Montoyo might be back behind a big league bench, but I think it'll be in a a similar role. It'll be a young up-and-coming team that maybe needs somebody to just get them acclimated to the big leagues a little bit and kind of provide that positive messaging that, hey, you're going to get through this. You're a talented player. We know what you can do at the big league level. We know you're going to be a good player at this level, and I think all the guys, all the young guys that came up while Montoya was at the helm really loved Charlie as a person, but as, as the manager of the team, when it became time to win, like you just mentioned, he just wasn't the guy.
1: Now, I I think a lot of the questions from people around the team and, and from fans and from reporters came like, why the timing? Why, why at that moment? And, you know, the team had just flown down to budzinski's funeral i mean earlier obviously a a, a tragic event and the team was very emotionally stretched and i wonder if that decision was made earlier in you know maybe in seattle and they just didn't want to do anything about it until after the funeral until after the team could go as a team or even i wonder you know this front office flew with charlie down to the funeral and back. And I wonder if some conversations there just didn't go the right way for the front office. And they kind of decided that maybe it's time to make a change. They're, they're, everything's up in the air, but the timing was strange. The timing was strange for sure. And I, I think personally
2: that it was a move that was made in the Seattle series, but they didn't want to, to do it right before they were supposed to go to the funeral of Julian Budzinski, who tragically passed not very long ago. And they didn't want to even do it the day after. So they waited for the game to be completed. Uh, and then it kind of felt odd that the firing came after a win. and. To be honest, I was shocked that they fired him mid-season because you could kind of tell if the Blue Jays continued to trend in this direction that it was going to be Charlie's last year as the manager of the Blue Jays. But one of the things that this front office has shown us time and time again ever since they've been with the Blue Jays is that they don't make um, like on-the-nose decisions. They are always well thought out. Uh, They like to take their time with decisions like this. So I was pretty surprised to see this come mid-season. But I think the road trip to Oakland and Seattle was was so bad. And the Blue Jays just looked lost. You mentioned the reporting after the fact where uh, we kind of got a sense of of what the Blue Jays clubhouse was like. By all accounts from Seattle and from Seattle's reporters, they could tell that the Blue Jays just weren't responding to Charlie Montoyo anymore. And uh, I think that it, it became time, it became evident to the front office that it was time in Seattle, maybe even in Oakland, when you were not getting the results against the worst team in baseball. You won one of three games in that series, which is unacceptable for a team that sees itself as a world series contender and then to go into seattle and get swept in four games i know the mariners were hot but a four game sweep just cannot happen Uh, especially if you see yourself among the new york yankees and the new york mets of of major league baseball i think the front office saw that and they were like okay something's not working right now we've got to make a change try to fire the team up a little bit uh and get a new voice in there
0: well nowadays we're in a an era of baseball. I don't even want to say nowadays because it's kind of always been a thing in baseball. You don't often see mid season firings. Like it's just not something that happens very often in baseball. The blue Jays haven't done it since like the mid two thousands. Like it just doesn't happen all that often. It's usually something that you want to give a coach, full time in the off season, full spring training to get his team under his belt and, and be ready to go. But I think the blue Jays made the right move and going to someone that's already been with the club, someone that's been with the club all year long as well. uh, I think it's going to be the right move moving forward. And you know what? I don't be surprised if the blue Jays turn it on in the second half, like you just get the feeling that after that move, you kind of like things air out a little bit so, right you you just stress if if not relief a little bit uh, lifted off your shoulders as you go into the second half with that being said i want to pose this to both of you cuz when the firing
1: happened you kind of figured there's going to be someone from the bench that was going to take over at least for the rest of the year but i'm getting this feeling that john schneider is going to be around for quite a while if he can if he can show that he has something and i wonder if you guys think that john schneider is the, is the coach let's say in two years time, if John Schneider is still the coach of this team.
2: I think so. I think that's exactly what it's going to be. If John Schneider fares well the rest of this season, if he, if this team has the surge that Noah thinks they're capable of, that I believe that they're capable of. I mean, I think John Schneider is the man for years to come. And I think that it, it's possible that front office in, in putting John Schneider on Charlie Montoyo's staff in 2019 They maybe saw that because if you look at Schneider's managerial record in the minor leagues, I mean, he had success year after year with the Blue Jays minor league system. He won two championships. He clearly knew how to get the most out of his guys in the minors, especially these guys, especially these players. He's moved up with them. He's developed with them as a coach and he's seen their growth as people and as players. And I think that John Schneider knows what to expect. He knows how to get the most out of these guys in particular. And I think that as long as the second half goes well, John Schneider
0: will be with this team. I think that's the key, right? Right. What, what you just said right there, I think that's the key. If this second half goes well, and, and what is well is well still finishing in a playoff spot and then losing in the first round. Like, is that considered well? I would like to think that he's got to win a playoff series, right? Is that not too much to ask for? To in, you got to be at least looking around in the offseason if the Jays don't win a playoff series. Because there is other options out there and there's some good options out there. But looking around to what? Because I think we've seen
1: um quite annually this year that the older managers just don't have a place in baseball anymore they don't unless you can embrace the analytic side of it which a lot have trouble with there just isn't a spot for the older managers anymore and you're you're going with a young guy who has the respect of the core who has won with the core and if he does make the playoffs then i mean you got to count that as a success you you made the playoffs you competed let's see what happens if you get swept out by a team that you're undoubtedly better but better than at home then yeah we probably have a problem
0: if you lose two or three to the yankees then i mean that's what it is well and there's also there's got to be there's got to be conversations with the players in this offseason right like i would imagine there was some coming into this decision to put snyder at the helm but uh that's got to be something that is going to be talked about this offseason is this the guy that you know you talk to your Vlad's, your Bows uh george whoever it is the leaders of this team and say is the club going to respond well like is this going to be the move moving forward because sometimes you got to trust those guys they're there every single day you got to think that he schneider's not going to take a step back and become a bench boss again
1: like he's not going to take a a step back and become you know a a lesser role assistant coach on a team if he's not the manager of this team in the future then i think he moves up and the front office clearly has a lot of respect and they've been grooming him for this. So it, are, are they willing to lose them for a manager that might not even be able to get it duck?
2: I know that having, having seen the, this team, having watched this team, I mean, John Schneider, I'm sure you guys have seen it on social media. He's got handshakes with Bo with Bo and Vladdy, pardon me. And George Springer, like he's close with all of these guys they really do like John Schneider so I think as long as they win in the second half I don't see a reason that John Schneider won't be the manager of this team I think that in 2019 or, or in 2018 I guess 2018 offseason when they were looking for a manager and I was really getting into the Jays and uh, I started my podcast around that time so I was following very closely seeing the results that John Schneider put up I think there was a case to be made that John Schneider could have been the manager of that team from 2019 Uh, forward just because of the the success that he's had I mean I trust this guy I've been a big John Schneider fan ever since he uh, made a name for himself in the Blue Jays minor league system as the manager of those Dunedin Blue Jays and and New Hampshire Fisher Cats championship winning teams so uh, I see no reason that John Schneider can't do this I think he's the right man for the job and I really wish him well because I'd love to see John Schneider succeed in this role
1: all right. So what we're hoping to do here is we're going to let the TV side go from this interview. If, if By TV. By people. TV. If you'd like to hear more <laughs> of the interview, then uh, please check out uh, either the radio show or the podcast coming out on Saturdays. And if it's all right with Dylan, we're going to keep him around for the third segment of the Smitty and Mitty show on the radio side. We're talking a little bit more Blue Jays. Maybe we'll talk about uh, some trades, maybe Juan Soto. It's a name that's been coming up. So you're listening to the Smitty Mitty show on the TSMS radio network.
2: Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime. Great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a 1,000 curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and equipment you need at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions.
1: Listen we all know someone affected by mental health. And that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl. Happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, a day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas
2: for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton.
1: You're
0: listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty Mitty Show here across the TSMS radio network and on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Dylan Baker joining us, and thankfully he's going to join us for another 10-ish minutes here on the back half of the show because we are not done talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. We're going to talk trades here in the back half of the show because the Jays are doing good, 15-43, coming out of the all-star break. They've made a manager move. Now they have to make some moves on either offense, pitching, or both. If they want to have success this year, am I wrong in saying that they're not going to win with the team that they have right now?
2: No, no, they, they won't be. They There are moves to be made right now, especially on the pitching side of things. I trust the offense more than I trust the pitching. That bullpen is a disaster. Uh, one or two, ideally, moves would need to be made there. Maybe you pick up another starter. doesn't have to be an ace, but somebody who can provide some more depth in there because you've got, Mitty talked about it earlier in the show, you've got Barrios, Gosma, Manoa, a great one, two, three, and there's kind of a gap, and then you've got Kikuchi who has been... um on another planet in the worst possible way this season so you need to pick up at least a few more pitchers uh at the trade deadline if you want to succeed
1: does kikuchi get another start this year for this team that's a really good question and it's one i don't know see they have a lot of money they have a lot of money tied up in them and with this phantom il stint he does qualify to go down for rehab starts so maybe they send him down and hope he can find something but i if you're not going to start him throw him in the bullpen a lefty yeah. that can throw high 90s with with a good curveball and you need some swing and miss in the bullpen what well, the worst thing that can happen is he doesn't fit he doesn't work out and you probably release
2: him well he's got a great fastball his issue is he doesn't want to throw it ever whether he's starting whether he's in the bullpen like his problem is that he doesn't throw the fastball enough and he can't command any of his stuff so if he can't figure that out, I mean, then you do have to release him. Like you mentioned, there is a lot of money that's tied up into him. I think it, they signed him to what a three-year $36 million deal Too in much. the offseason He's is getting paid $12 million per, per year by the blue Jays. And that's not great if you're the Jays and you've seen the results that he's got right now, but what's the max you can be in, on a rehab stand 30 days. That could be six starts for Kikuchi. If you play your cards, right. Um max out his time in the minor leagues because he needs to work on things he needs to figure out his mechanics his, his, whatever is go- going wrong right now for you kikuchi he needs time to figure that out if there was no if there were no contractual obligations i don't give him another start but there's a lot of money like you said tied up into him and i think that makes the blue jays a little more hesitant to just throw him in the bullpen
1: plus the stuff is just so good like the stuff is, it is. It's, He's good. It's, He's a good pitcher. I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Tanner Roark contract. And I don't think you can make that comparison nope. at all because Tanner Roark stuff did not play in the majors. And it is not that Kikuchi stuff doesn't play in the majors. We saw in the first half of last year, it definitely can play. It can play as an all-star caliber but he just needs to be able to find the plate again build a little bit of confidence. Half of this is probably because everyone keeps, you know, dumping on him. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. even though he doesn't, you know, speak the language very well, he knows what's happening. He knows that people are nervous every time he's out there. He knows that he, if it's not the New York Yankees, he just seemingly can't pitch against them. So he understands this. He needs a little bit of confidence back and to realize that his stuff is nasty.
2: Yeah, no, he's got great stuff and he's got a, really good fastball if he just threw the fastball more maybe the results wouldn't be down to like a two ERA but we'd see better numbers and better starts from Yusei Kikuchi he's got an unwillingness to throw that fastball and that's been one of his biggest issues but his stuff is there it can play in the big leagues he's a guy who who can be a great back of the rotation starter and a good front of the rotation starter as we saw last year when he was with the Mariners he was an all-star with Seattle last year so he's got to just find that form again. And like you mentioned, that confidence, if you can build that back up. I mean, that's huge. But the Jays still need someone else,
0: right? Like you're not going to, you're not going to, whether it's like you said, a starter or I'm thinking you need to go out there and find yourself a shutdown bullpen arm. And I don't care what you need to trade to get it because playoff baseball, you're not going to win with this blue Jays bullpen. I don't think you are. I, I, there's no, <laughs> there's no recipe for success there. Right. Unless you're getting seven or eight innings out of your starter which in the playoffs, you're probably not going to get. I, I don't I don't see you winning many games if you got to throw some of these guys in there. See, to me, the bullpen can play.
1: I, I, I don't have as much of a problem with the bullpen as a lot of other people do. You have guys like Meza is at a bad year, but he has a left-handed sink ball pitcher who throws pretty hard. You have Simber who throws from a different angle just because he doesn't throw hard. People don't like him. But you know what? He gets, He's effective. He gets stuff done. You have Jimmy Garcia, who's been phenomenal when he's been on the mound. And he's a guy that if you can get to, if the problem here has been the starters exiting in the fourth. And we've seen with John Snyder that he's allowing these guys like Stripling to go third time through the order to get into the seventh. If you get into the seventh with his bullpen, it's almost over because you have so many options, including a, a really good closer, a really good setup guy and options around that. So if, the problem is they're not getting deep into those innings to get to, you're, you're having to use guys like like Trent Thornton in, in, in positions where you don't need mm. to use Trent Thornton where you don't want to use him. I don't, they, I don't think you use Trent Thornton in any position. If the starters can get to a better spot, then this bullpen <laughs> looks a lot better. Trent Thornton, you can probably use him down in Triple A. That's where that's where he. Can Trent Thornton again was an innings eater. He was on the mound every five days. He didn't give you a three RA. He gave you more like a five. But he was out there every single day, eating innings, getting into the sixth and seventh inning. There's something to say about that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sixth and seventh inning, down five runs. Yeah. That's
1: the issue with Trent Thornton.
2: Well, or like, like Kikuchi puts you down by five in the, in the third inning. <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, I mean, Thornton was efficient, more efficient than Kikuchi was. That's for sure. Because Kikuchi, I think he, we've had times where he's been up near 80 pitches in the third inning or something close to that. Like he's been ridiculous at times with how many pitches he throws Uh in those innings. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this Blue Jays bullpen needs more. I think I think they don't have enough. Um, there have been guys like you mentioned, having down years. Mazes had a down year. Jimmy Garcia had like a two-week stretch where he wasn't very good, but other than that, he's been awesome uh, for this Blue Jays team, and Romano's been very good uh, in that closer role this year, so I think there are some good pieces, but You look at some of the World Series teams of the past. I always look back when I want to talk about a great bullpen. The uh, 2015 Kansas City Royals were fantastic out of that bullpen. I know that's, what, seven years ago now, so time has passed. But even last season with the Braves, they had Matzik, they had Minter, they had Will Smith, they had Luke Jackson. I mean, those are guys that they could always rely upon to come out of the bullpen and get outs. Right now... I can rely upon Jordan Romano more than likely to get those outs for me out of the bullpen when he comes into that closer role. Jimmy Garcia, I can rely upon. I don't trust anybody else at the moment. And I like Adam Simber quite a bit because I, th- I think that submarine pitcher is is, uh, is a fun guy to watch and he can get outs. But right now he hasn't been doing it. So I trust Romano and I trust Garcia out of that bullpen. I don't trust many more
1: arms. So I do think that they
2: need to add to that pen.
1: I just think that the, the bigger problem is going to be you need a left-handed hitter in this lineup. It is way too right-handed heavy, and it's really easy for pitchers to attack with the exact same game plan to every... you. They, they, at no point do they have to deviate from their game plan. It's always sliders away, fastballs in, sliders away, fastballs in. That's all it is. The Jays know it's coming, the pitchers know what's coming, and they still can't hit it. You need someone to turn it around, and that kind of leads us into someone I wanted good to talk segue, about. Way good segue. And that's somebody who turned down a 15-year, $415 million contract in Juan Soto version 40 sorry 40 million, million dollars. my apologies not quite uh, enough that's child's money yeah <laughs> yeah I, I downplayed the 15-year contract there my apologies so <laughs> clearly Washington's going to be shopping them they've, they've made it known that they're going to be shopping him probably within the next couple of weeks and I mean he would look pretty good in this Blue Jay lineup and take away a lot of the problems you have
2: yeah, I mean, Juan Soto is one of the best hitters, if not the best pure hitter, if you're just talking about hitters, in baseball. He gets on base at an electric rate. I mean, he is he's fantastic at getting on base. He's got tons of power. He would be such a huge add to this Blue Jays lineup. You talked about how there aren't enough left-handed hitters for this Blue Jays team. I mean, Raimel Tapia being your top left-handed bat off the bench is less than ideal. I mean, he's not exactly a great hitter. Having Bradley Zimmer as another lefty option is not great uh, either. If they're able to get Juan Soto, I mean, that changes everything. Uh, Not only would it change everything for this year, it would change everything for the next two seasons while Soto was under team control. To get him, I think I saw today that John Heyman reported they'd need to Uh, send their top four prospects. The Nationals are going to be looking for a team's top four prospects packaged together along with a couple of young major leaguers and a team that is possibly willing to take on Patrick Corbin's albatross of a contract. The Blue Jays could, in theory, do all of that. Um, they've got young big leaguers who they, they feel are expendable. You look at a guy like Danny Jansen or Lourdes Gurriel Jr., maybe even Alejandro Kirk, depending on how you view your young catchers and the catching situation. They've got top four prospects who are there. Uh, Jordan Groshens, I think, is still in the top four. You've got Ricky Tiedemann, who's been fantastic in the minor leagues, Gabriel Moreno, Aurelvis Martinez. They've got a strong top four. The Blue Jays could absolutely
1: make a play for Juan Soto. Will they be willing? That's the, uh, that's the real question. So basically, if you take those four prospects that you kind of talked about there, we're talking about Groshans, we're talking... that This is the one I kind of saw floated around. You're looking at Mourinho, you're looking at Groshans, you're looking at maybe Otto Lopez and Revels Martinez. And then off the Major League, you're looking at um, Lourdes Gurriel and probably a Kevin Biggio. Does that get it that
2: done? I don't more than Biggio. I think they, the, the Jays would probably try to move one of their catchers uh, whether it's Kirk or Jansen, just because you've got a, a bit of a backlog in that. I guess maybe when you're trading Moreno, it's not quite the case, but I think they need to give a little more than Kevin Biggio.
1: To be honest with you, I just don't care about the prospects. I can give away any prospects they want because prospects are, are exactly that. They're prospects. They flop all the time. They don't succeed very often. You have guys like like Groshans who have been in the minors for years and who knows if they'll ever really make an impact on the major league roster. Look at the trades that, that um, Alex Anthopoulos made. How many of those guys are legitimate stars in the major leagues right now? Or even better than, than than what David Price is, the guy that you really acquired now. I don't think any of the guys. Kendall Grademan's probably your best one, and he's a uh, closer. So prospects are prospects. The major league roster is different. As long as it's not Manoa, I don't care. You can give away almost anyone. And I mean, not the core, right? You're keeping the Vladis. You're keeping the Bows. But when you're looking at the young players, other than Manoa, you can trade almost anything anyways dylan we really appreciate you joining us talking blue jays here for i mean about 40 minutes so we appreciate a that. Lot of Blue Jays, a long time so that was dylan baker of i mean pretty much everything uh you could think of uh, we're, yeah we're gonna wrap up the smitty midi show on the other side it's the smitty midi show on the tsms radio network I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun
2: Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your
1: bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Listen, we all know someone affected by mental health, and that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl. Happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, A day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook.
2: Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a thousand curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and equipment you need at GoldlineCurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions.
1: This is the Smitty and Mini Show. All right, it's this Mitty Mini Show for one last time for episode 90 something. I do not know. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith. 98. We, nine- set it,
0: we set it off the top of the show.
1: 98? 98. Man, we're getting really close. I still haven't had a guest for 100. We're getting pretty close. Not, not looking good. Not looking <laughs> uh, we're good. We're getting there. Uh, let's thank some people. Let's thank Dylan Baker for joining us and talking. Blue Jays, we really appreciate that. Obviously, the Blue Jays in the All Star break, or just coming out of the All Star break now are looking okay. They're ready. They're ready for a second half push. We're going to thank our sponsors, Dave Middleton, Sun Life, Financial Life is Brighter Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. Thank you to Noah Smith. Thank you to the Jack Jerry Memorial Dirt Bowl, which is
0: happening in what, two weeks now? Yeah. It's First. Which means second my wedding is happening in like
1: four weeks? Yeah,
0: your wedding is like less it's than a month. getting pretty mo- close. literally less than a month away. I just start paying things. I don't, but yeah, you do. I should. You, you probably sure. should. Or else I don't get to go that's how i understand it if you don't start paying things the thing does not happen
1: that's true that's true so start paying things we could have a backyard wedding just you and me yeah
0: yeah but how am i supposed to jump in the pond we should you don't have we should involve my fiance yes that's what we should involve yes as long as there's a backyard pond that i can jump into because you have a pond here yeah it's it's not very deep i would hurt your head i wouldn't dive no No, diving head first no No biostereous play that's pencil dive
1: all right. Well, that's going to be just about <laughs> it for another week on 560 CFOS, Blast the Radio, and Saint Mary's Radio.com. Make sure you do, uh, check out the podcast as well coming out every Saturday. Every Saturday now, so make sure you check that out. A good weekend listen for you. So, hey, we will see you again next week, a episode
0: 99. The great one.